the Korean Tarot Podcast, episode 151. Seven strategies to get more product reviews. Do you want to grow a thriving, profitable handmade business? My name's Jess Van Den, and I'm here to help you do just that. I took my own handmade business full-time in 2010, and since 2013, I've helped thousands of makers, just like you, create and grow successful handmade businesses. So, are you ready to thrive? Let's get learning. Hey, Thriver Jess here. Welcome to another episode of the Create and Thrive podcast. I have a very exciting special guest for you this week. Before we dive into that, I've got a few pieces of news. The first of which is something very exciting. I'm doing something a little bit different next month. Uh, It's not something I've really seen other people do. I'm sure someone else has done it, but it's something I've been wanting to do for a while. And that is I'm going to run a pod course. So throughout July, I'm actually going to be running a course here on the podcast. So the lessons will be free for everybody to listen to. Uh, My plan at this stage is to do a lesson a day for the entire month. And it's going to be split into four different modules. We're going to be talking about mindset. We're going to be talking about money. We're going to be talking about marketing. And we're going to be talking about business management. So each week we'll cover one of those four topics and in each episode I'm going to be sharing questions from the community, I'm going to be sharing tips and ideas and strategies. I'm also going to be sharing further links and information uh, because I've done a lot of courses and workshops and other podcast episodes over the last many years. So this is a way to introduce you to a lot of that other content as well while also just giving you some core content that you can action every single day throughout the pod course. So I'm really excited. I've been wanting to, I've been planning this for a long time and I finally kind of worked out how it's all going to come together. So I can't wait to bring that to you in July. Uh, To participate, obviously, all you need to do is make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen. Uh, It's also a really great idea to go sign up to the Create and Thrive email list. So head on over to createandthrive.com and there's plenty of opportunities there to join the list and you'll get um, more information. There will be a landing page very soon for this as well so you can find out more about it. So keep an ear out for that. Obviously, I'll also be putting that all over my social media and sending it out in the email once that's been put together and you can find out more about the course and share it with other people as well. So I hope you find it very enjoyable and you know I think it's really nice to do those sort of 30-day challenges something that just a couple of minutes a day I don't intend the lessons to be super long maybe five ten minutes a day and it'll just be a way to kind of really motivate you to work hard on your business throughout July just giving you one little piece of action to do every single day and of course it'll be there in perpetuity as well on the podcast feed so you can always go back to it there will be other levels as well to the course. Um, Obviously, I'm going to be running a community aspect of the course. So we'll be having conversation around every single lesson and that will be happening inside the Thriver Circle. So only Thriver Circle members will have access to the community aspect and the interaction aspect of the course. And I'll probably also make uh, extra downloadables and things like that available to Thriver Circle members, as well as some of the content I will be mentioning will be Thriver Circle workshops, etc., as well as plenty of other um, free pieces of content that anybody can access if you're not a member of the circle so if you do want to join in on the fun in the community aspect of the 
pod course, make sure you are a member of the Thriver Circle, my membership community for makers. Head on over to thrivercircle.com to join up for that. And I just want to briefly mention one of the workshops. This is very topical right now, and I've been talking about it a bit online. Bookkeeping. No, don't switch off. I know it's not the most fun topic, but it is so, so important. If you are at the stage in your business where just the idea of that is terrifying or seems overwhelming or makes you feel a little bit stressed out because, you know, you're not really on top of it. uh, I have a workshop (laughs) to help you with that. If you're an Australian, uh, this is particularly relevant right now because it is approaching the end of our tax year and the beginning of the new one. So even if you're, you know, you haven't got it all together for this year, now is the perfect time to catch up and set a system in place so that come July 1st, you are ready to rock and roll for the next tax year. So it's my bookkeeping basics for makers. And I teach you, you know, all about what's, what's an income, what's an expense, what's a deductible, uh, you know, what can I claim? What should I be looking for? How to keep track of it? And I even give you a spreadsheet download that you can just literally copy and use and alter to your own heart's desire. And in the workshop, there's a checklist to get you started as well of the tasks that you need to do to kind of get yourself organized with your bookkeeping. So it's very much um, a workshop for people who have absolutely no idea or you have kind of got some sort of weird cobbled together system, but you're not actually using it properly. That is who this workshop is for. So if that sounds like you, it might be one worth doing. (laughs) So to get access to that workshop, again, that's in the Thriver Circle. So thrivercircle.com to get access to that. And you can access that right now if you want and do it right now. Uh, I know that it might not be the most fun thing, but it is fundamental to the success of your business to know what your money is doing. If you don't know what your money is doing, you don't have a business, you've got a mess. So it's really important. And really, I find it really motivating to know where my money is going, how much money is coming in on a regular basis and keeping track of it. And it allows you to set really good concrete goals as well. So I recommend that if you're in that situation. If you're not and you've got your bookkeeping all sorted, congratulations, that is awesome and well done to you. And I think that's a really important step in making sure that you have a viable handmade business. Okay, so today's guest is the lovely Emily Thompson from Being Boss. If you aren't familiar with the Being Boss podcast, I highly recommend you go check it out. Uh, Emily and her co-host Kathleen have a plethora of episodes with wonderful guests, and it's all about how to be boss in work and life. And they've just released a book of the same name, Being Boss, which I read recently, and you'll hear me talking about that with Emily. And I mentioned in the podcast that I was going to, I'm planning on using it um, and my own digital sabbatical, and I did, and it was great. There were some great exercises in there that I found really useful. So we talk about some of the you know elements of being boss, what that means, how you can enact that in your own business. And we both tell a little bit more about our own personal business stories and journeys as well. We, Emily and I actually kind of started in a similar place. She started making jewelry and selling it on Etsy once upon a time as well, amongst other businesses she's done. So we have a really good time and there's a lot of really great mindset stuff in this episode. So enjoy. And at the end of the episode, do definitely go check out uh, the Being Boss podcast and their book as well. Hey, Emily, welcome to the show. 
Thank you so much, Jess, for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm really excited to talk to you, actually. I've listened to your podcast over the years in the past, and I've also just read your book, which I really enjoyed. Uh, So I'm sure we'll dive a little bit into that this episode. Uh, For everybody listening, the book is called Being Boss, and it's just come out, and it's very, very helpful for anyone who wants to, well, be the boss of their business and also their life, which I really enjoyed. I'm all about that. Now, I really want to dive into your origin story, superhero style, because I really loved hearing about your multiple businesses, because I think a lot of people think they're going to start one business and that'll be it forever. But a lot of us, including me, kind of tend to have a bit of a journey there and start a few things before we find the thing we really gel with. Yes. Oh, for sure. I love this. So I have started and run a couple of businesses. Um, And for me, I even started really doing it at a time when, you know, people are usually jumping from job to job to figure out what they're what they want to do with their lives. Mm -hmm. I just went like a little bit deeper and decided to jump from business to business to figure out what it was that I wanted to be doing with my life. So, um, so I was a business owner for the first time whenever I was 18. I got the chance to purchase a tanning salon that I was working at and I did that. It's a long, fun story. Um, but I, I'm sorry, that is just amazingly young to yes. just make that investment. It was very young. And I obviously, I had help from my parents, mm-hmm. um, but I was living, you know, very far from them. So whenever it came to actually running it in the day-to-day business, that was all me. Um, and I've always been ridiculously ambitious, which I completely <laughs> recognize. Um, and I always had a hard time in traditional jobs, you know, even like as a high schooler and in, in college, where I always wanted to be the boss. And that early, <laughs> it's kind of hard to do that because you don't have experience nor, you know, enough years under your belt to be able to do that. But I always had that ambition to to run the thing. I always felt I could do it. I never had, you know, any bosses who I felt were the most competent people in the world. I always thought I could do better. And so whenever I had the chance to purchase this tanning salon, it was a little bit of a dream come true, even though it was a dream. I didn't even realize that I had. And I ran it for about a year and a half to two years. And it was, I was living along the Gulf Coast of the U.S. and a hurricane hit and sort of really changed the landscape of like in many ways on every layer um whenever hurricane katrina hit the gulf coast um i guess that was in 06 i believe mm-hmm. and um and so as an 18 year old business owner trying to make it with you know as a, a quote unquote silly business like a tanning salon in a time when you know everyone's getting new roofs and having to get new tires on their car every mm. three weeks because of all those new roofs like no one was going to the tanning bed basically yeah. so um, so I let that business go about a year and a half two years into it and went back to school finished school and I was in school while I was running the tanning salon as well but I finished school And before I graduated, I had started business number two, which was making jewelry and selling it on Etsy. So all of my life, I've been a maker um, and I had found a way that I could sell what I make and jewelry was the thing that I was making most often um, on the internet. And that's sort of where my, you know, love affair with business online began because it was amazing Mm. to be able to, um, 
just to be able to connect with people all over the world and sell what it was that you make in that space. And so um, I started selling jewelry on Etsy, which brought me to business number three, which was designing and developing websites for other creatives. I um, made the move off of Etsy onto my own website about two years after after starting that jewelry business. And I was using the skills that I had picked up in high school. Um, I was de- designing and developing websites um, then and I was able to do it for myself in this like very real capacity um, as a business owner and I had built myself an e-commerce website and I loved getting back into websites and so I found myself <laughs> tinkering with my website more than I was you know making jewelry and I had people in that Etsy community coming to me you know impressed that I had you know built this thing and wanting one for themselves because those Etsy fees were starting to really eat at those of us who were making enough money mm-hmm. um, that we it, it, it was just getting to a place where it was kind of hurting to have mm-hmm. to pay those Etsy fees. And there were alternatives. And having your own website was that alternative. So um, so I started building them for my Etsy community friends. And then people were finding me um, through those people or, you know, just through Etsy in general. And um, I ended up moving away from jewelry, even though that was doing really, really well into (laughs) websites because that ended up taking off even faster and better. And it allowed me to, you know, scale my revenue in a way that it would have been very difficult to, um, to do with jewelry. And um, then that's when online business and websites started for me. And then the rest just sort of falls into place a little more easily, I think. Yeah. So you sort of, you know, every level you're learning something new, new skills, new experiences, and different industries in a little bit of a way as well. Uh, I I love your story because it's almost parallel to mine. Like I started my jewelry business in 2008 as an Etsy shop. Um, And then a few, you know, a few years later, I started building websites for friends because I'd been building websites for a decade and it was just an easy thing to do. And uh, I mean, I'm still doing the jewelry and I'm, you know, now I'm doing Create and Thrive and other things. So it's just, it's funny to hear, you know, your story and you went off in this direction and I've gone off in this direction. And it's the (laughs) same for everybody, you know, everybody is going to go off in their own direction, following their own strengths and what they really love and the things they enjoy and what works for them. So now, of course, you've got the website. Well, it's not just a website design business anymore. It's like a, a whole business design business almost. It is. Well, and you know, anyone who tinkers with websites for other businesses, you know that you're not just designing and developing a website. You have to dive into their business model and really figure out what it is they're selling, who it's for, and how it is that that's going to work, especially from, you know, the website online systems side of it. So I found out pretty quickly that websites were only a piece of the puzzle. If I really wanted to service my clients and also do it in a way that I felt good about, um, I needed to dive in further. So it expanded beyond just websites and into sort of online business strategy and with websites obviously being a very big piece of that puzzle. And that, you know, that business, Indie Shopography, has been um, about nine and a half years now of me diving into so many business models, whether it's, you know, (laughs) yoga instructors or if it's a t-shirt designer and maker, or if it's a, um, a wedding invitation designer. Um, I've dove into many different kinds of creative 
business models and really seeing what works and what doesn't work in the online world and in some cases the offline world as well where it it lended to an expertise that I never like imagined going into and I never like intentionally went into but has obviously you know fueled fueled some fulfillment in me that I'm super grateful for because you know all of my interactions with business um it's always been driven by a love of business. And I remember even whenever I sold my tanning salon when I was, I guess, about 20, mm-hmm. um, thinking that that would not be the last time that business and I were friends. Um, <laughs> I knew that, you know, I had been bitten by the bug and I never would have anticipated that it would work out the way that it has. So first of all, is being your own boss everything you envisaged it would be? <laughs> yes and no. <laughs> I think I think it is in pretty much all the ways that you that you hope it will be. You know, I can make my own hours. I can have lunch as long as I'd like. I can have days where I say I'm not having any meetings this day. Thank you very much. Or whatever it's going to be. You know, I am the boss of my of my life and work in a really fantastic way. However, I oftentimes wish there was someone else here just telling me what to do and that I didn't have to figure <laughs> that out for myself. Or that, or that I could take, you know, a paid vacation and not literally just not have to think about it beyond that. Mm-hmm. And um, so there are some fun, funny things that um, that come up that sometimes make me think, oh, maybe I should go get a day job. But I honestly <laughs> don't think I could ever actually do that. I do love being my own boss for sure. Um, it's harder work than I anticipated, but. I probably should have just anticipated that. <laughs> it's funny when I had Chris Gillibo on the show recently and he, he calls himself unemployable. And I was like, yep, that's exactly how I feel. Yeah. Like, I just don't think I could do it. Nope. And I don't <laughs> think anyone would take me. Like, I think no, I would exactly. be the most horrible employee on the planet because I'm going to tell you everything you're doing wrong and I'm going to make you watch me do it right. <laughs> And that's confidence. And you talk a lot about confidence in the book, which I love. Um, And there was this concept of confidence as a muscle. And I love that because I always say courage is like a muscle. And it's kind of the same thing. The more you work it, the stronger it gets. And I think that's such an important thing to remember, especially if you're starting out, you have no business experience, which, you know, it's where I started, you started. And you're kind of have that self-doubt creeping in about, can I actually do this? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's totally a muscle. And I even feel, you know, I was actually telling my my partner, David, this morning, I was like, I think I need to go read my own book today. Like, I think <laughs> I could just like, I think I could use that. Um, because, you know, even the most confident people in the room, you know, occasionally have moments where their confidence is waning. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone needs occasional boosts. Like there is no one at all who is simply confident all the time about everything. I, if they are, there's probably like some psychological something going on in there because like I don't think that a healthy brain is just always ever confident um so I I think we all have to find the ways in which we are able to remind ourselves um that we are either awesome at what we're doing or we're going to figure it out along the way because um otherwise you're stuck in fear and that's never going to lead you to a fulfilling life and work so confidence is something you have to practice and it's something that you will always have to practice i don't think you and i, I don't know i'm not 80 years old maybe once i'm like 
really in my golden years, I will be fully (laughs) confident all the time because at that point, you know, what is there to be afraid of? Um, But at least for the moment, (laughs) I'm not in a place where I am always confident. And um, I do know that there are little tools or little ways that works for me to sort of build it back up whenever those muscles start to atrophy. So what's one or two of your personal strategies here? Oh, I love this. So one is looking at proof. So Mm -hmm. I will sit down and think, you know, if the thing that I'm struggling with at the moment is, you know, making a decision about, you know, a big business move or something like that, I can always look back at the at the times in my business where I've made big risky moves or even Mm -hmm. like small, not so risky moves. And either they worked out or they didn't work out. And I learned a valuable lesson that helped me make them work out the next time (laughs) I tried it. Um, So for me, proof, like just looking at proof is one of those things. Um, And another one for me is just sort of walking away from it all. Mm -hmm. Um, I usually find that if I'm in a moment where my confidence is seriously waning, it's because I'm too close to the problem. It's because my perspective has gotten far too narrow. And so for me, that's, you know, going to do something else, um, no matter what that is. And I do usually prefer it be completely unrelated to whatever it is that has me tripped up at the moment. So again, Mm -hmm. if it's around a business decision, it's going to make dinner or it's, you know, going for a walk or um, it's having a conversation with a friend about something completely unrelated. Um, For me, usually getting out of whatever sticky situation I'm in, even if just for a moment, usually allows me to come back at it with fresh eyes. And those fresh eyes are the ones that usually help me solve the problem or find the confidence I need in order to move forward. I love that. So speaking of this whole shenanigans, what would you call, what would you say a boss mindset is? And you, you talk about this in the book, but I'd love for you to give a summary of what, what this means to be boss and have a mindset of being boss. Sure. I mean, I think for us, it always boils down to just a a belief that you can do this. Mm -hmm. I think, you know, anyone and our definition of boss, at least for the the purpose of, you know, the podcast and of, of the book is, you know, someone who someone who is making money doing work they love. And in doing that, they're building a life that they enjoy living as well. So, In that sort of definition, you know, believing that you've got this, believing that no matter what decision you make is going to be the right decision for you. And even if it doesn't lead you to the outcome that you desire, it will teach you a lesson or Mm -hmm. it will it will give you a path that you would not have even anticipated before and leading you to something possibly better than you had than you had defined for yourself. So it's believing that you can do it and it's using all the tools um, to get to that belief because you don't just wake up one day believing that you know this big crazy dream that you have whatever it may be is just going to like present itself to you if you do a couple of like you know steps (laughs) or or you know write the emails or like there are there is a lot of that that has to take place but it's not always quite that simple and so it's believing that 
if you do the work, if you show up, if you are putting yourself out there and and focusing on those core values that you have, like making sure the things that you're doing align with you and not everyone around you, that you'll get to a place where you are happy. Um, and it's also trusting that if you make deci- decisions along the way that are wrong, because you will, you absolutely oh, yeah. will, it's believing that you'll be able to figure it out that, you know, if you get yourself into a a sticky situation, you'll be able to climb out of it just fine. Um, And that relates obviously very strongly for us to entrepreneurship, this Mm -hmm. idea of building a business and being your own boss and possibly even being the boss of others. Um, One of the things that I'm realizing the longer that I'm in business and the older that I get is no one actually knows what they're doing. Like none of this, (laughs) no one is showing up to any of these businesses really actually knowing exactly, you know, that if I do steps A, B, and C, I'm absolutely going to get this result. Everyone's always going into each one of those systems with, you know, a little bit of an understanding that it might not actually end up the way you expect it to. Mm-hmm. And I think um, I think a lot of people look at entrepreneurs or look at business owners, maybe a little less so than entrepreneurs, as people who just have it figured out. And I've realized that's not actually the case. We're all just making it up and figuring it out as we go. Absolutely. And we're all experimenting. Like it's one big experiment and you have to be willing to do the experiments and take the risks. Um, you guys use the, the scientific method uh, example which I love because I actually I have a science degree I have a science background so I was like yes right yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so this idea of you know you, you you set up a hypothesis and then you try to prove it wrong because that's kind of what you yes. do with a hypothesis and then if you you prove it wrong or prove part of it wrong well then you try again set up a new one and try again and that's all it is nobody knows yes. if you do a you're going to get b because it's not that simple no, it's not. It wouldn't be great if it was. Oh, my God. Everyone would not. be making a million dollars if it was or a billion dollars, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> None of us would be here having this conversation right now, for sure. <laughs> um, no, it, that's exactly how it is. I mean, and the whole thing was showing up to fail. Um, is so that you don't become so attached to the outcome. I feel like that's where a lot of people fail, like really fail, quit whenever it comes to starting their own business and you're jumping into entrepreneurship or just creating a new thing, whatever it may be, is that you become very attached to a positive outcome. Mm -hmm. And the more you try and do, the more you're going to fail, actually. And so getting very comfortable as soon as you can with the idea that you know you have a 50 50 chance of not getting the outcome that you want you become so much less attached Mm. to getting the positive outcome and you're able to just try and try and try and try and um and you will find it as opposed to someone who's going to show up once try fail be disappointed and not try again yeah it's iterations and what i'd love to know what's the difference do you think between you know doing this business trying trying failing succeeding And then reaching a point where it's actually time to throw in the towel. Like at what point do we make that decision? Because, you know, I've sold businesses, same sort of thing. For you, Mm -hmm. what is that that point? What changes? I think for me, the 
the point comes when it's no longer fulfilling. Mm. I think that, you know, living and working like a boss, like our definition of boss is that it is fulfilling. And, and that's where really the work piece carries over into life as well Is you know, if you are doing work that you don't find fulfilling, your life's going to suck. <laughs> like it's just, it's not going to be as great as it could be. Um, but if you're doing work that is fulfilling, then your life is going to be better for it. And so I do believe that that there are times when a dream job is no longer dreamy. Um, it's something, you know, I ran into with my, you know, tanning salon business. I loved it and it was so much fun while I did it, but it stopped being dreamy. And not to say every day has to be dreamy because mm-hmm. like I definitely have days at my dream job where <laughs> I would probably quit if one person said one more thing to me that I didn't (laughs) like. Like, we can all definitely have those days. But I think there's, like, this, like, overall fulfillment that has to be coming from the work Mm -hmm. that you do. And I do think it is the moment when you stop being fulfilled that it's time to, you know, throw in the towel, sell, restructure, um, quit, whatever it may be, to move into the next thing. Because I do believe... Or I don't believe that you, that it's very likely that you are going to find the thing that you are meant to do for the rest of your life soon (laughs) or like very early (laughs) in your life. Like, I just don't think that's a thing. I, and that's, we could, I don't need to talk about college or, you know, any of those like really early decisions that you need to make. I think it takes time to get there. I think that people should expect it to take time to get there. You know, I've had people before asking me like, do you feel weird that you've had so many businesses? And I'm like, no, because I <laughs> see, I see the path that it has taken me on and I understand the lessons that I needed to learn in each one and the tools that I needed to gather in each one to move on to the, uh, using a word you just mentioned, um, moving on to the next iteration of what it is that my work looks like. Um, and even now I know that I'm probably Probably not quite all the way there, but I feel it getting close. I definitely feel myself um, becoming a little, I feel less enchanted Mm. with the idea of starting and doing the next thing. Um, I feel myself really wanting to sort of hunker down and stay at something for a while, but I've never felt that before. Mm. And so, um, so all that to say, I think that whenever, that whenever you start feeling like the work that you're doing is no longer fulfilling, that's the moment when you should start considering what changes you need to make to get back to a place of fulfillment. Awesome. Another, another thorny one. Do you think Mm -hmm. that someone can be successful as a business owner if they don't love business? Yes, I've seen it happen for sure. Um, And again, I think it has to go back to that life piece. Mm. I think that you can not like running a business, have a business, hire people who will run it for you, mm-hmm. do the parts of the business that you love doing yourself and still be perfectly fulfilled. I think it's probably more difficult for you to be running a business when you don't like running a business, also trying to do the thing that you want to be doing all day and going home at the end of the day actually fulfilled by the work that you do. Um, the cool thing about business is that you can set them up however you want and need, um, but that takes some like hardcore doing <laughs> to make yes. it do in the beginning. Um, but I think that people can set it up in a way that really leaves them 
doing the most fulfilling work themselves. But there's always this like baseline of stress and responsibility that comes from being the business owner. And if you can't live with that piece, then you probably can't be a business owner um, and be as fulfilled as you could be. Yeah, I love that. I think it comes up a lot, especially in the maker world, is that, you know, people get into it because they love what they make and they love making. But then when they make that transition, they're suddenly kind of hit over the head with the fact that they can't spend so much, well, they they can't spend anywhere near as much time making as they did previously uh, because they've got to kind of do all the business work. And I think a lot of people sort of give up at that stage or feel really disheartened at that stage. But I think it's important to realize it is a stage and you can actually yes. move through that. Yes, that it will get absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. That is fact for sure. If you can just stick it out a little bit longer and really put the systems in place, I really think you can put yourself into your business in a way that is totally fulfilling. So let's talk a little bit about systems and habits and routines because I know they're absolutely vital to my life. You know, my morning routine is so important to me uh, and there's so many other systems and routines. How important are they to you personally and in general, do you think, to running a successful business and life? I think if my team had to hear me say the word systems one more time to them, maybe even just today, (laughs) we may have to restructure some systems, if you know what I mean. Um, Super important, super, super important. So let's talk about the life and work side of this because, you know, habits and routines are are the life section of that and systems and processes are the business side they're the same thing basically it's just we have different words for them and you know depending on where they fall and you know the spectrum of our life and work Mm. um so for me personally habits and routines in life um are are important i do however enjoy a little more spontaneity in my life. And I think it may be because I'm so systems and process oriented in my business where, you know, my life is a place where I don't have to be so overly routined. Um, We do have some routines in our household that, you know, just help it run really well, you know, whether that's just making our grocery, like our meal plans and grocery lists and shopping once a week and having everything we need. Like that's that's a routine that we do every week so that we can eat every meal without having to think too hard about it. Um, I also have a morning routine um, that that I love as well. We have lots of little habits around, you know, how it is that we um, how it is that we go through our home or. Um, you know, even travel, like all of those things, those are, those are definitely important to maintain sort of a happy, happy life that will feed into, you know, you being able to show up at work with everything that you have or everything you want to be giving. Mm -hmm. Um, So I am a little more spontaneous, I think, in my life, though I do still, I say that, but I think if most people were to probably walk into my life and actually see my habits and routines, they'd probably think they were still off the charts. I think I'm a little like, I'm a little jaded by my own, uh, by my own habits and routines. Um, But my systems and processes in my business are also just, that's where I really sort of put all of those practices into place. I understand that a business is really just a set of systems when repeated will get you the same outcome. Mm -hmm. Um, And for, you know, me, that outcome, and for any business, that outcome is um, a fulfilled um, client or customer and profit, (laughs) money in the bank. Um, So there, 
And because we have a team at Being Boss, um, especially, those systems have to be super hardcore on lockdown so that as we're communicating, we're able to really just run everything super efficiently um, without having, you know, without running into any hardcore speed bumps or anything like that along the way. And so those systems and processes are very, very important. But I will say that along with the idea of bringing that spontaneity back into that business as well, this is something that Kathleen and I have really have really mindfully done um, or really mindfully um, sort of tried to re-inter- or re-inject, mm-hmm. I guess, back into our business some more of that spontaneity that I was talking about in my life. Um, because one of the things that we found at Being Boss, because, you know, it's the two of us together, we're collaborating, it's supposed to be very creative and fun, is that it is possible to, you know, sort of systemize yourself into a rut where, you know, you... Yes don't have the space to really allow your creative juices to be flowing because you're showing up every day, checking off the things on your to-do list and walking Mm -hmm. away. Um, So even as much as I will always preach and, you know, mandate systems and processes in a business, it's also very important to leave space in your business to um, to be creative. I mean, we're all building creative businesses or we're all wanting to do creative things. Um, at least those of us, I think, who are here. Um, So making sure you're intentionally leaving space in your business to be creative is so important. Uh, That is such an important point. I really want to underline that because, I mean, I've discovered the same. And anyone who I think has been in business for a while, you kind of, you find that. You get into those habits. You get into those routines. Things get really efficient, but then things can get, a bit boring if yeah you, you know if you if all you're doing is just the routines and you're not like you said injecting creativity or new fresh ideas into the system it can get a bit stagnant so yeah, yeah it is so important and, to have that and I don't even think it's just boring for you. I think it becomes mm. boring to your customers and clients as well. Um, where, you know, if you are posting the same thing on your Instagram every week, like people are going to stop paying it. They're going to gloss over mm. as they're scrolling, you know, past your Instagram. Um, and a really good example in Instagram made me think of a perfect example of this where, you know, one of the things that Kathleen and I have joked about doing for years is an April Fool's thing for our Being Boss crowd where we create a course um, about becoming Beyonce. <laughs> um, and so the idea was to create this like, you know, great sales page and marketing campaign and all of these things where we try to sell people a course on becoming Beyonce. And it's something we've talked about for a couple of years. We hadn't done it yet. But this past April, um, Kathleen just got to be in her bonnet like on a Sunday or Saturday or Sunday, like a weekend, which we don't really ever work on the weekend. But um, she decided she really wanted to create a really fun graphic Instagram story where we're trying to tell people that they can buy a Being Boss course called Being Yonce. (laughs) (laughs) And she makes these graphics and has a ton of fun doing them, puts them on our Instagram account on April Fool's Day, and like our crowd blew up with excitement. (laughs) Um, And it was just this really fun thing. And afterwards, Kathleen came to me, she was like, we have to make more space for things like this. Like it was flippant and kind of dumb, but totally fun and had her really energized about doing stuff. And it also 
finally got us into a place where we were getting some good feedback um, because part of the funny thing about it was is this being Yonsei course, all the modules that it had are, are mirrors of um, a course that we actually have. So we were able to get feedback on like the positioning of something that we actually sell um, just by having a little fun with it and getting creative and giving ourselves space to just do something silly. That's great. I love it. Being Yonsei. <laughs> it was terribly clever. <laughs> awesome. Uh, now, one one final thing I, I kind of want to talk to you about, and this has come especially important to me right now. I'm about to go on my digital sabbatical, so turning everything off, going away. Love it. And you talk in the book about this idea of establishing boundaries, and you use the analogy of a garden, which I really loved. Can you speak a little bit to that? Yes. So the idea of this analogy, and I am, I, I love gardening. So <laughs> it totally came a little bit from me, but I think Kathleen was maybe even channeling me because it's like, I think it really mostly came from her head. It was a beautiful collaboration, <laughs> regardless. Um, so the idea though, is that, um, you know, everything that's important to you, think of that as your garden. So these are, these are your responsibilities. It's the people in your life, the relationships that you have, it's the pieces of the work that you do that you love or whatever it may be. So you think about the things that you want to prioritize and you imagine them within the, a walled garden. And these are the things that you're going to be nurturing and cultivating and really putting time and energy into. Um, but so you imagine that, you know, all of these things that you love are within this walled garden and that you are free to nurture them and protect them and all of these things. And everything that isn't a priority falls outside of this walled garden. And the wall is your boundaries. Um, and your wall is what defines what you allow in and what you let out, what you push out if you ever <laughs> need to do that. Um, and so it just gives you a really great sort of metaphor for how it is that you can focus, you can uh, sort of gather, gather the things that are priority, make sure they have everything they need to survive and thrive, and really just sort of close out anything else. And whether that you know social media noise and you know you want to do a digital sabbatical um, or if it's toxic relationships or if it's a job that you no longer want like whatever it is that you need to sort of block out so that you can really have the space to nurture what's most important to you I really love that. It's just so evocative. It makes me think of the old story, The Secret Garden, you know, that you read when you're a kid. Yes. And I just yes. think this is this beautiful big wall with this beautiful ornate gate, you know, that um, it's going to keep out all the vermin and mm -hmm. <laughs> and all yep. of, all of the, the things you don't want in there. And then when you go inside, it's just this beautiful place full, full of your favorite things that help you to thrive. Right. And imagine if that's just your life, too, yeah. where like the only things that you've allowed into your life that you allow to stay in your life are only your most favorite things. Like it would be like sitting in your own little secret garden all the time. It's beautiful. Love it. <laughs> well, Emily, thank you so, so much for coming on the show and talking business and being boss today. It was an absolute pleasure. Uh, where is the best place for people to find more about you and Kathleen? The best place is beingboss.club. Um, that's where you can find all of our podcasts, our book, more about Kathleen and I and where you can find us elsewhere. Um, that's 
definitely the best place. Awesome. And I recommend everybody go ahead and pick up a copy of your book, especially I'm actually going to reread certain parts of it on my digital sabbatical because there's some exercises I really want to work through in there to revitalize my own life and business. And I think, you know, for me taking that time at least once or twice a year to do that work and dive deep and make space for new ideas is really important. I agree. I agree. Thank you so much for recommending it. I'm so glad that you're enjoying it. And I hope that, you know, flipping through those pages on your sabbatical is so much more fulfilling than anything that you could do on your phone or laptop. I think it will be. Thank you, Em. Thank you. Enormous thanks to Emily for taking the time to come and chat to me on the show. If you want to find out more about Emily and Kathleen and Being Boss, head on over to beingboss.club. That's beingboss.club. And you'll be able to access everything Being Boss over there. I hope you're as excited as I am for the upcoming pod course coming your way in July. As I said, I'll have more information on that over the coming weeks, but keep an ear on the podcast. And of course, if you follow me on Instagram at create and thrive, you'll get all the deets as I go. And I'm going to be doing call outs for questions uh, on the four topics that I mentioned at the beginning. I'm going to be asking for you, the create and thrive community to share your experiences and questions around those topics so that I can incorporate that into the course and I will be also asking if you're happy to share your business name so that I can give you a little promo if I do choose to share your question or comment during the course so keep an eye on the Instagram that's where I'm going to be sharing those uh, call out or shout out posts and of course if you're in the Thriver Circle you've already seen the first one and there'll be more coming there as well. Thanks so much for listening and I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'll be back again next week with another episode of the Create and Thrive podcast. I'm Jess Van Den and goodbye for now.